Great to see you here at the EU public meeting. My name is Rowan Kemp. It's my privilege to be leading us through these reflections on Mark's account in the New Testament of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. But I do have a bit of a question. Those funny things that are on the side of your head, what are they? These things on the side of your head? These things? What, like, what are your ears actually for? I mean, are they for just hanging off bits of jewellery? Are they for balancing your glasses? Because I tell you, if I didn't have ears, my glasses would be falling down off my face all the time. Or, no, those are useful um, things to do with one's ears, I guess. But what they're for is hearing. Ears are for hearing. But the challenge usually is that there's so much information that's coming at me all the time it's hard to know what's worth actually listening to. I might hear lots of stuff, but what's actually worth taking in? What's taking worth taking in and accepting and actually responding to? That's a big good question. Um, and so what we're going to do today is we're looking at this section in Mark's record of Jesus' teaching, which records for us what Jesus says about hearing about ears, actually. And um, so the first thing that we notice here from this passage, if you've got it open, in Mark chapter 4, I've got my Bible here, maybe you can open yours up or call it up online. The first thing you notice from Mark chapter 4 is that Jesus habitually taught the crowds in parables, in these sort of little stories. In fact, Jesus is famous for it. He had all of these parables, many of which are recorded in the New Testament for us. Jesus apparently habitually taught the crowd in parables, but he explained their meaning only privately to his followers, to his disciples. Teaches the crowd in parables, but explains things only in private to his followers. You can see this in Mark's record. If you've got chapter 4 there and have a look, the first couple of verses out of chapter 4, Mark says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, says Mark. And then turn a bit later in the account. He then goes through sort of five parables that Jesus gave, an example of five parables that Jesus used. Jump to the end of that section, verse 33 of the chapter. Then Mark records, With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. See? He teaches the crowd in parables, always, but explains things in private only to his disciples. And so then Mark gives us a collection of Jesus' parables, which I think have been very deliberately brought together. Um, and the very first parable, he says, is this parable known as the parable of the soils, or sometimes known as the parable of the sower. Let me read out this parable for you. Now, while I read it out, I need you to imagine that you're part of the crowd. You're there. Jesus got into a boat, Mark records for us. He's sitting in the, on the edge of the water in a boat. The crowd are so large, they're gathered on the, on the edge, on the shore. And Jesus tells them this parable. Now, remember, he doesn't explain it to the crowd. He just gives the parable. 
So my question is, if you were standing there in the crowd, what would you understand by this parable? What would you think is being taught, said? Here we go. Starts like this in verse 3 of chapter 4. Listen, says Jesus. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even a 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Okay, so you're standing there on the shore. You've just listened to Jesus share that parable, that little story about agricultural life. And he says, whoever's got ears to hear, let them hear. And you're going, well, I have got ears and I can hear and I've heard what you said. What the heck does that story mean? What's it about? Is it just, oh, an interesting story, an observation about agricultural life? You sow some seed and the stuff on the path gets taken away by birds and stuff that's on the rocky soil gets sort of scorched easily by the sun and stuff that's among the thorns tends to get choked out. But if the good soil, that produces a big crop. Is that... See, the thing about parables is they're not like little illustrations that you might give in a talk. You know, your speaker makes a point and then tries to give an illustration from normal life to try to help you understand his point. That's not the point of the parable. It's not to illustrate something. It's not an example because he doesn't give any explanation. It's just a bare story. Now, see, it turns out that Jesus uses parables to deliberately hide his point so that the only way to know what Jesus actually meant was to be one of his followers, to be on the inside, those who had a relationship with Jesus of trust where they followed him and they were the ones who got the explanation. So uh, you can see this in this uh, very account here. If you've got your Bible there, have a look at what Jesus says in verse 10. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked Jesus about the parables. Jesus told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. It turns out, The parables were Jesus' deliberate strategy. Everything in parables to the crowds so that it was not obvious what he was saying. But everything explained to his followers, the disciples, so that that's where you would go if you wanted to really understand. See, what he's doing is keeping his his relationship with the crowds, with the people, or their relationship with, with him at the very centre. If you want to understand, then you need to join up, start following Jesus. If you're not interested in Jesus, then you won't bother to attach yourself to him, to join his followers, and you miss out on the explanation. So the parables 
themselves actually divide people along the same lines that Jesus himself does. If you trust Jesus and follow him, then he'll give you the explanation and you'll understand the parables. But if you reject Jesus, if you decide to not follow him, then you'll not understand the parables because you don't have access to the explanation. So your ability to understand the parables is like a litmus test that you do in chemistry, you know, a litmus test that reveals your relationship with Jesus. No, I didn't understand that story at all. I didn't know what it was about. Yeah, that reveals that actually you're not connected to Jesus. You're not one of his followers. You didn't get the explanation. Oh, no, I understand what that parable was about, and that's because you are one of his followers and you heard the explanation. Now, notice here, this is and this is important, Jesus is not saying that he doesn't want people to understand or to follow him. He really does. Notice how he introduces and finishes this very parable. How did it start in verse 3? Listen, says Jesus. Listen up. And then in verse 9, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. He is actually urging you, encouraging people to seek to understand the meaning of the parable, to dig down into this story that he's about to tell, to find out what it means. And this was common for Jesus. You can see it in the next two parables that Mark records for us at the end of the parable of the lamp that's on a stand. There in verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Same line again. And the beginning of the next parable, the parable about the the measure used to sort of measure out grain. Verse 24. Consider carefully what you hear, Jesus said. So these stories were were meant to hook you in. They were meant to entice you so that you might want to understand what they were about. But the way you found out what they were about was you had to hang out with Jesus and ask him. You had to become one of his followers, get on the inside. And that's what his disciples and followers do. They ask him about this parable. Jesus wants you to listen. He wants you to find out. He wants you to use your ears to dig into this story. Now, it's interesting. I think that's also what the little parable about the lamp is about. Let me read to you just the little parable of the lamp there in verse 21. Jesus said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. See, the lamp doesn't come into the room in order to be hidden, but to be put on its stand and shine. And then secrets are disclosed, hidden things are disclosed. Well, what are the secret things that Jesus has just been talking about? There in verse 11, we read it a minute ago. Jesus told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. That is, this secret's about the kingdom of God. The message of the kingdom of God is to be shared widely. Jesus wants it shared widely. And the parables are a way of hooking people in such that they might attach themselves to Jesus in faith as one of his followers so that they might then get the explanation, understand the meaning of these parables. They really force people to ask the question, who do you think Jesus is? Do you really understand what he's saying? So what then about the parable of the soils that I read out previously? What does that parable mean? Well, it turns out it's a very important parable, which is probably why Mark 
has put it first in this little collection of Jesus' parables in chapter 4. And we can see its importance in Jesus' response to the disciples' question about what does it mean. Have a look there if you've got your Bible open at verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, that's his followers, his disciples, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Now, I don't think Jesus is saying, look, this is the easiest parable there is. Sort of like, you remember when you used to do math tests? Um, You know, the first question on the test was usually pretty easy. I don't think Jesus is saying, look, this is the easiest question on the maths test. If you don't get this one, you've got no hope for the rest of the test. He's not saying this is the easiest parable that there is, so if you don't get this, you won't get the others. What he's saying is this is a critical parable that actually explains how people respond to me. If you like, this is like the meta parable. If you don't get this parable, then you're probably going to miss all the others. But then fortunately, Jesus explains it to his disciples, which is what we had read out for us in verses 14 to 20. That is, in Jesus' explanation is, This parable is about how people respond to the word, the message that Jesus was sharing. In the parable, there's four different types of ground or soil, which stand for different types of people and for how they respond to Jesus' word. And the seed that the farmer throws around, that's Jesus' message about the kingdom of God, this good news gospel announcement that the kingdom of God is coming And it's time now to repent and believe his message about the kingdom, to believe that Jesus is indeed the king bringing in this kingdom. And the first type of ground that we meet in the parable is the path where the seed makes no impact whatsoever. It just bounces off. It's snatched away before the word, this message of Jesus, can have any impact at all. These are those people who make no response at all, to Jesus' message about the kingdom of God. They just ignore it. It makes no impact on them. It's like their ears are deaf to it. Maybe that's you. Maybe really this message of Jesus and who he is and the kingdom that he's bringing in, maybe that's made no real difference in your life. It's had no impact. Or maybe that used to be you. Maybe you used to be that path. Well, second type of soil. There are those who do respond to Jesus' message. Initially, they're really excited about Jesus and the kingdom that he's announcing. They're really keen. But then they start copying flack for being a Christian. People make fun of them. Maybe their friends start to cut them out of social opportunities. Maybe their family even kick them out of home or disown them. Maybe their boyfriend or girlfriend dumps them because they've become a follower of Jesus. Maybe they're discriminated against at work or by an employer. Even, as happens around the world, they may even be imprisoned because they've decided to follow Jesus. Well, Jesus says, when people experience that sort of trouble and persecution and then give up their faith, decide to stop following Jesus. He says, well, You're rocky soil. You're like soil that has no depth, no depth to your faith. It's shallow, sadly. And you can see it because when the sun of persecution comes out, 
their faith withers and dies. Sometimes this happens quite quickly. It doesn't take much negative pushback sometimes for some people's faith to wither away. But I've also seen it happen to people over a longer term, where the criticism and the hassling for being a follower of Jesus over a number of years just gradually whittled away a person's faith. Well, Jesus says that his message didn't have deep enough roots in their life. The soil was too shallow. Then there's the thorny soil. Again, these are people who hear Jesus' message about the kingdom of God. They respond positively initially, but then other things take over. Jesus identifies three different types of thorny plant that can choke out his message of the kingdom. And they're worth pondering. The first type of thorny plant Jesus identifies are the worries of this life. That's true, there are always so many things to worry about, aren't there? Even at the very best of times. We worry about our study, we worry about our finances, we worry about our family, we worry about our relationships, we worry about getting a job, and now we worry about the coronavirus. Well, those thorny worry plants can take over and squeeze out Jesus' message. You know, when you go, oh, look, I just don't have time for that. There's too many other things now to worry about, to think more deeply about Jesus and this and what what the kingdom of God really is about. Well, here's a bit of a life tip for you. Seems to me, I guess looking at my own life as well as those around me, that most people's lives get more complicated with more worries as they get out of uni and into the rest of life. So the strategy that says, look, I just don't have time for this now. I'll think about Jesus' message and take it more seriously after I fill in the blank, after I finish uni, after I get a proper job, after I get married, sort out my life. That day never comes because the worries of today are replaced with the worries of tomorrow. You'll be worried about buying property. You'll be worried about the mortgage. You'll be worried about the career path, your elderly parents, the kids' schooling. And so it just keeps going. And yet elsewhere, Jesus says, why are you worried about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear? He says, it's those who don't know God who run after those things. And your heavenly Father knows you need them Seek first his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. The worries of this life are a distraction from the most important thing, the coming kingdom of God. Are you too distracted by worries to fully respond to Jesus' message of the kingdom? Are those worries choking it out in your life? Second type of thorny plant Jesus identifies is the deceitfulness of wealth. Jesus has lots to say about the danger of being in love with money. Famously, Jesus said, you can't serve God and money. You'll love one and hate the other. That's because pursuing wealth sets itself up as an alternative to God himself. Instead of looking to God for security and hope and comfort, We look to wealth instead. We think money will buy us happiness, that money will protect us, that it will give us the security that we long for. 
but it's a lie. And Jesus calls it out here as the deceitfulness of wealth. Money promises us so much, but it just can't deliver. No amount of money is going to protect you from the coronavirus. No amount of money is going to protect you from relationship breakdown. No amount of money can stave off mental illness or let alone keep death at bay. The ultimate answers lie not in wealth, but in God's kingdom, in all that he's promised to do both now and in the future. But so consuming is the pursuit of wealth that it will choke out Jesus' message of the kingdom of God in your life. There'll be no room in your life for Jesus' message about the kingdom of God if you've given yourself over to pursuing financial wealth. And the third type of thorny plant that Jesus identifies is the desire for other things. Now, there's lots of other things in life. And other things in general are good, often created by God for our enjoyment. But when our desire for other things takes a higher priority in our life than Jesus and his message of the kingdom, that's when that desire for other things becomes thorny. Whether that's a desire for a particular relationship or for sex, a desire for a career, success, or a desire for acceptance and popularity, no matter what the desire, once that desire becomes more important to me than Jesus and his message of the kingdom, that's when God's word becomes unfruitful in my life because it's been choked out by those other desires. Interesting thing about those three types of ground, the path, the rocky soil and the thorny soil is though the path, there was no response to God's mes- to Jesus' message of the kingdom, and the rocky and thorny soil both had a positive initial response to the message of the kingdom, in the end, all three are the same. In the end, there is no fruitfulness from Jesus' message of the kingdom in the person's life. In the end, they're the same. But there is a fourth soil in Jesus' parable. It's the good soil. The good soil, according to Jesus' explanation, are those people who hear his message, who hear this message of the kingdom of God, who accept it. That is, who go, I don't just hear that, I actually take it in deeply, and I actually take it in as a truth from God around which I reposition my all of my life. I accept this message from God about his coming kingdom and about who Jesus is, King, his son. I accept that message, and because I've accepted that message and let that transform me, I then bear abundant fruit. In fact, Jesus says it bears 30, 60, 100 times what's sown. Now, this is that moment, I reckon, in the parable that was meant to be a bit of an earworm for people. It was meant to hook them in. Because lots of the parable you just hear, oh, the stuff on the path, the bird takes it away, oh, yeah, and the rocky soil, yes, that doesn't have good roots, and the thorny soil gets choked out, yeah, that's right. On the good soil, yes, and it produces 30, 60, 100 times. What? 30, 60, 100 times? That's outrageous. The academics tell us that, you know, maybe in Palestine in those days, the best you might have got, the best that we can find in other records is anywhere between, you know, 7% 
uh, sorry, seven times what was sown, up to maybe 15 times what is sown. No one, no one seed ever produced 30 times or 60 times or 100 times. That's the point in the story where you're going, oh, yes, yes, interesting little story. And, and what the good soil produced, 30, 60, 100, I've never, that's, that's ridiculous. I've never heard of such a, a crop. And it's meant to ask, well, then what's he talking about? Like, what is he talking about? That's the moment where, you know, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. That's the moment to go, well, I need the explanation of this story. Because what he's saying is that the good soil produces abundantly, super abundantly, more fruit than you can possibly poke a stick at or even imagine. And remember, that's what he's saying. That's what happens if you hear my message, if you genuinely accept it, believe it, reorientate your life around it then you will produce abundant fruit. Because Jesus' message that he is the king in the coming kingdom of God, that does change everything. That changes your attitude to your relationships, to your family, to your career, to money, to your future, to the things you worry about. It changes your, it changes your thoughts on, on all those things and consequently you live completely differently. That's the fruitfulness that Jesus is talking about. That's the abundant crop that Jesus' word, his message, bears in your life. He says, if you take this word in, if you're good soil, then you will produce an abundant crop of grain here. This word will be abundantly fruitful in your life. Remember, Jesus' whole challenge in this parable really was to the crowd who was listening was, well, which sort of soil really am I? Which one am I going to be? Jesus doesn't want us to be unfruitful. He doesn't want us to not listen to his word. He wants us to take it in. He wants us to be transformed by it. But there is a warning that goes along with this. And I think it's caught for us in the third parable that Mark records here, the parable of the measure. Let me read it out to you in verse 24. Consider carefully what you hear, Jesus continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. This fits very well with the parable of the soils. There was the good soil. It received a seed but produced an abundant crop. In a way, they ended up with much more, those who have received even more. But the others, the path, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, even what they had was taken away. There's a warning here. Be careful how you listen. Hear the word. Accept it. Let it transform you deeply. Let it take deep roots in your life. Let it produce an abundant fruit of changed life in the kingdom of God as you follow Jesus. So how is Jesus' word affecting your life? What have you done with Jesus' message of the kingdom? The time is here. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe this good news gospel. What have you done with that message? See, in the midst of all the messages that you hear day to day, and which I hear day to day, and frankly, in this sort of social lockdown situation because of COVID-19, there's even more messages that I seem to be hearing online every day. Which messages are you really retaining? Which messages are you really listening to? 
are your ears hearing Jesus' message of his kingdom? Have you heard it, really heard it? Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Because above everything else, that's what God has given you ears for. For listening to that message from Jesus. Oh, ears are wonderful things and they do all sorts of wonderful things and we can dangle all sorts of wonderful things off them. But the one reason above all else that God has created ears for is to listen to that message. That message of Jesus and his coming kingdom. Because it's in that message that you might be fruitful, good soil, that you might have life eternal in the kingdom of God. That's what he's made you for. That's why he's given you ears, that you might respond in repentance and faith to this message of Jesus. If you want to dig more down into these parables, uh, there's a short podcast that we're putting on the EU website where I dig down into the next parable, the fourth parable here in this chapter. You might like to dig into that a bit further on. You might like to listen up to that. Otherwise, I hope you have a really great break over the mid-sem break and look forward to you being back at PMs when we get back to week eight.